0: Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Redeemed Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Pokorny. This is an outreach of Freedom Coaching, of which I am the founder. You can find all about our work at freedom-coaching.net. It's an honor to have you here. Um, Lots has been happening in the world of Freedom Coaching and the Redeemed Vision Podcast. And um, like all of our episodes, um, I really would encourage you to please like, hit that little bell if it's an option here share this get this out to a world that isn't so uh, so much a great need for hearing these messages messages that are not often uh, told in, in other various platforms um so since our last uh last time together we've been working on getting our home uh in in order here in in many cases um and had the privilege actually to have my daughters and my wife leave. that's not the uh, thing that is exceptional, Um, but they took a night off um, or a weekend off and went out camping. It was a girls, all girls uh, camping extravaganza. And um, I was privileged to have, uh, in addition to doing a lot of work around the house, have some some guys around the house uh, uh, to um, play poker with, which was fun. And I had a friend uh, here who had been dealing with a hip injury And uh, I was able to pray with him. And through the grace of God, uh, he went from a level three pain out of 10. But it had been a nagging injury for over over 12 years to a level zero. And the next day, checking up with him, uh, a lot of healing is happening. Um, and it looks like, I'm, I'm excited, I'm asking him to report on once he goes for a run to see what happens here. So we believe that nothing is wasted and everything is redeemable. And there can be healing and wholeness that can come forth in a wide variety of areas, individually and collectively. And we're gonna be hitting on that theme, especially today. But before we go any further, just as a reminder a couple of housekeeping items, uh, number one, one of the sponsors, for this podcast is hallow which is the number one app for catholic meditation and prayer and i encourage you to download hallow today where you can find peace to sleep better pray more and deepen your relationship with god and we're going to put in the show notes a link for hallow where if you click on that you're going to get three months free and then um, you're going to also be able to support the work we do here on the redeemed vision podcast and also at Freedom Coaching especially if you like to, uh, you know, fall asleep, maybe to Mark Wahlberg praying with you, well, Hallow's the app for you. Um, also, I want to encourage you, if you're looking for ways to live out your Catholic faith to the full, if you're looking for one of the world's largest, I think maybe the world's largest collection of theology of the body related talks and conferences, you're going to want to visit Catholic casts. So there's a collection of over two decades of Catholic conferences that can't be found anywhere else on the internet and it's guaranteed that your life is going to be enriched. It's 9.95 a month so it's very very low. You get unlimited access to all, access to all the talks and they continually are adding more and more uh, talks throughout the years. This is something that they've been uh, basically just selling uh, they were selling individual talks and they're moving this online. It's something you're definitely going to want to check out. So it's catholiccasts.com that's two C's in the middle catholic and then casts dot com to get started today also as as you're well aware if or maybe you're not well aware but this is an outreach uh the redeem vision podcast is an outreach of the uh, of freedom coaching where we work with one-to-one to to mentor to break free those who are in, in entrenched and entranced and experience a compulsion to pornography to live that freedom well so I encourage you to check out freedom-coaching.net. And then uh, if, if this is you or someone you know that you that, that you love is dealing with us, share that information and also encourage them to sign up. And as well as if you're looking for a good way to support this work, a good, a good way to, to maybe do a partial tithe, or maybe you want to do your full tithe, I'll leave that between you and God, is we have a 501c3 or a, a nonprofit. We're working on the, on the, uh, the 501c3. Um, to be basically uh, be able to support clients who can't afford uh, afford fully uh, to become a client, or also to and also to help get the word out of the work we're doing here. So, without further ado, I want to introduce you to two very special guests. Uh, this is Chris and Laura Ricketts. Uh, they, uh, well, Chris has been a member of the Freedom Coaching team for well over, I think, a year and a half now. I've lost track. I think it's been maybe two years. Um, and uh, they were married on August 30th of 2003. They both grew up in New Jersey. So there is good stuff that comes out of New Jersey, folks. And they uh, uh, they can say they've known each other their whole lives. They've got four awesome kids. They currently live in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. Um and i'm not going to give away any more on their their bio i'll put some of this in the show notes because i want them to share a bit of their story so without further ado uh chris and laura ricketts welcome to the redeemed vision podcast thanks thank you steve an honor to have you both and chris obviously you've been on the the podcast you've even hosted i think uh some of the podcasts as well um and and just as a um a, uh, just as a an encouragement to all of those who are um, who are uh, watching this and listening to this? Um, do check out uh, those other podcasts. Check out the other story; it gives a little more context for what we're about to uh, discuss today. And and I believe that this is a, a unique subject and unique um, perspective that we're taking here. I don't know too many uh, other conversations like what we're about to have. What I believe we're gonna is gonna happen in here. Um, and, and especially with Laura, I want to again, I've, I've spoken to you, I think once uh, over the phone, uh, Laura, you are a, a woman of great wisdom. Uh, I will I will put it that way, not to uh, toot your horn too much here, uh, but I can I promise you, for those who are hearing this, uh, she brings a lot of great perspective on many aspects of life. Um, and I think part of it is you've had the onus and the learning, the gravitas of life, shall we say, of various sufferings and pains and allowing uniting those to the cross so um chris we're going to kind of have you kind of as a a background singer on the concerto that um miss laura is going to sing and by the way i know chris obviously you you sing at your parish and and i I would argue professionally to a degree laura is that your background as well do you sing together
2: oh no (laughs) i'm really good at listening (laughs) That's, that's my talent when it comes to anything regarding singing
1: Fair enough. And and I'll, I'll be so bold to say you're able to tell when uh, when Chris is off key and give a little bit of instruction, perhaps on that. So we'll we'll, we'll get to that. That analogy that kind of fits a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll put that there. So, Laura, if you can go back, obviously, I just mentioned through the introduction there that you're you're from New Jersey. But can you share a little bit of your background, you know, growing up in your family, siblings, what was life like for you? Uh,
2: growing up, I, you know, I I've I looked back at different points of my life. I think, and I would say I was more blessed growing up than I knew I was at the time, um, and I had it probably easier than I thought I did at the time. Uh, my my parents uh, were fantastic, Catholic, grew up Catholic. Um, I think I I may have had what people tell me is the rare experience of never having a time where I left my faith. I've always just loved it and wanted to live it. Um, but I'm the oldest of five children and my youngest sibling is a sister. We're 18 years apart. So that was actually really fun growing up because I, I really learned a lot watching my mother, mother, her, um, because she and our oldest daughter are only three years apart. And so I, uh, I'm very grateful to my parents for being open to life in the way that they were and and um, for allowing me the, the privilege of seeing them raise my siblings, in particular, my younger ones.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. So, so a little background, and obviously, and, and Chris, how many siblings do you have?
0: I'm the oldest of four.
1: Okay. Awesome. And Laura, where do you fall? You're, you're the youngest of... Of the family is that correct
2: i'm the oldest as well so we you both kind of old- have that type a oldest person in, you know yeah,
1: yeah. Get and things done.
2: Were all pretty close in age i yeah. think so that's mm-hmm. that's how we ended up knowing each other our mothers mm-hmm. were in a, a mom's play group together and for our younger siblings so we were on the older side of it and uh and that's how we, we met
1: so wait, hold on. I'm, I, this is this is off script. So what? Um, actually, very little scripted here, by the way. Um, so what is the earliest? I'm just curious. What is the earliest memory of each other that you can that you remember?
2: Playgroup at our church in New Jersey, and he annoyed me, so I <laughs> threw cardboard blocks at him.
0: Hard headed. i don't remember this.
2: I'm, I was trying to build a house, and you kept coming over to annoy me while I was building the house, so I chucked him up. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) she has a good aim excellent got it (laughs) so so fast forward obviously the two of you at some point there's uh romantic googly eyes are made across a room somewhere or you got tired of throwing blocks and said maybe he's kind of cute i don't know i don't need to be necessarily involved with that right so what what was it that uh, that inspired you That kind of flip the, maybe flip the switch on this, that, you know, maybe, maybe I want to take a chance on, on this guy. Maybe I want to, may, maybe there's something here more than just an annoying uh, uh, preschool playmate.
2: Oh, that's kind of a loaded question actually, but <laughs> it's welcome. a great one to kind of start our, our story with because throughout the years, I would look back on, on that time. And, um, He will tell you that he always had some sort of inkling for me. It was probably the blocks that hit his head. Um, (laughs) It might be that. But um, for me, I refuse to acknowledge the fact that we went on dates in high school. Um, We didn't, we were friends who would go to nice restaurants together and um, alone. And he would hold the doors open because he's my friend. (laughs) But it wasn't until uh, Chris had gone through boot camp, he was in Marine Corps, I was at Franciscan University, where I was determined that I was going to get my MRS degree um, after the theology one. And uh, we we started talking, he started calling me every so often, and we chat. And he didn't know it. But at the time, this really kind of kicked into high gear, it was Lent. And I was really trying to offer that Lent for my vocation and was really laying it out there with, with God. And can you just show me what direction I'm going? And I'm also, at the same time, I'm doing this novena de St. Raphael and really, really trying to just discern and be open to what God says. And as I'm saying these prayers, he's calling more. And I'm finding that I like the conversations. And then I realized I was hoping he would call me. And then that was, you know, mind blowing. Ricketts, what? I, I want him <laughs> to call me. Why do I want him to call me? And poor God is probably like face palming at this point. Like, how, I'm giving you a neon sign, you know. And so that kind of progressed throughout Lent, and um, I, I was, I was a little bit cheeky with God, and so I, I actually asked him just on Easter, can I just get some kind of answer, just on Easter, please? And so Lent is progressing. We're talking more. I started doing things you're not supposed to do with God. Like, that. I think I might be considering the fact that I might really like this guy. Maybe (laughs) really,
1: really. Yeah, don't do that.
2: Maybe, maybe love, but that's a really big word. So we're going to go with really, really like. If that's okay with you, God, he has to call me in the next five minutes. And he would. And then I'd kind of freak out. The first time that happened, I threw the thumb. (laughs) Um. And that, that sort of thing kept going on. Once it was even, okay, now I really think I might love this person. Are you actually trying to tell me that he might be my vocation? Well, if that's true, even though we just hung up the phone, he's gotta call me right back. he'd never done that before. He did, over and over again. And so then on Easter that year, Chris came out to visit me at Franciscan. And uh, it was after the Easter vigil then that we went to my favorite spot on campus. And he very nervously said, Well, you know, um, do you kind of want to try out dating? Would that be okay? And my answer to him was Well, first, I remember very clearly um, this very strong sense that God was saying, You can say no. If you say yes, this is it. And it's not going to be easy. As, as clear as if someone was saying it to me in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, in, or in my ear, I mean. And um, so I kind of just took a deep breath and said, okay, but we have to take it slow. And Chris, I'm, I'm speaking for you now, but he was so excited. He was basically promising we could go as slow as a snail. Doesn't matter. She said yes to this. <laughs> and then seven months later, we were engaged.
1: Wow. Wow. Um, uh, one commentary, and then I want to hear uh, Chris's perspective on this. Um so with the uh, my my wife and I we were also at Franciscan um it's the Franciscan podcast perhaps um, no trademark there i'm not getting sued um and my like we went to bowling for the the first date and she refused to acknowledge that that was our first actual actual date uh even though like i had said it and i asked her in the worst possible way right on facebook chat so do as i say don't do as i do um, do you want to go, you want to go on a date? Uh, Oh sh- uh, no, no um, uh, do you want to get together and, and hang out? Sure. What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's go bowling. Bowling's too expensive. I'm like, fine, I'll pay for bowling. If you call it a date and she's like, deal. And I bu- I'll buy the beer. So I have a, I have a date with a beautiful woman who is going to buy me beer. What's the catch? Well, it's one of these right for the rest of my <laughs> life. And, uh, but, but she still is, to this day, denies that that's the original date. And it was three days later when we went to iron man. Um, so Iron Man is deeply entrenched here. So Chris, with what your wife shared, anything you want to add to that story?
0: Well, no, it's pretty accurate. I mean, she was the type in high school and even before that, if she knew a guy liked her, just knew that he liked her, not even even, he, he didn't have to try to do anything. He, she wouldn't talk to him anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to stealth date her in high school. <laughs> so we would, <laughs> We're gonna to go to this fancy restaurant and I'm gonna wear a suit and tie and you're gonna dress so old, but it's just his friends. Uh-huh. Right. So it was it was his friend, of course. Um <laughs> so no, I'd always uh I'd always liked Laura as as early as you know, grade school and earlier, and so that was just something that you know it was just a quick little story. Um we were both in in our respective schools, marching bands. I was a trumpet player and Laura was in the color guard. And in our senior year, there was a, I was at a game. It was a Friday night and we were, we were playing and I was in the stands and Laura all of a sudden came out of the blue, it was our break in the third quarter. And she came up and said, hello. And I was like, wow, what are you doing here? She said, oh, well, I'm just, cause she was in, she was going to her school, which is a kind of a rival school of the, of, of the other school we were at. And she said, well, I'm just scoping out the competition. Okay, Um, but uh, we chatted for a little bit and she turned around and walked away. And I turned, and I distinctly remember, I turned, there was a buddy of mine, a trombone player sitting next to me. And I said, you see that girl walking
1: away? He goes, yeah. And I said, I'm gonna marry her someday. There you go. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So come, uh, if I got the dates right, August 30th, 2003, Marriage happens, right? Engagement, marriage, you were and how you were you were uh seven, seven months of formal dating, shall we say? Engagement, how long was engagement?
2: A year and eight months.
1: Oh God bless how you. That was the take it slow part. Okay. Wow. Wow. So that's very hard. And I, I recommend to anyone hearing this podcast, if you're engaged or you're thinking about engagement or thinking about dating, um, then uh I would not recommend your date your engagement is more than a year uh by maybe nine maybe nine months maybe six months things like that because if you know that you know that you know say yes plunge in you never know your spouse completely um it's going to be a learning experience uh and and just welcome to the ride the ride that is life and we believe that god is really with us especially in the sacrament of marriage so although uh, i will
2: say part of the year in eight months was we wanted to be 21 by our wedding day so we Mm -hmm. could toast each other legally so we had to wait a little bit and then the Marine Corps didn't help, but yeah, it was, it was a long time.
1: Don't Got recommend it. Got it. So besides booze in the Marine Corps, eventually able to say yes on that fateful day. Now one of the gifts that is given to women from uh, the little that I know about women is a sixth sense that you just know something's going on here, wh- whether for good or for bad. Right. So Laura, What was it that you knew that something's not right in your marriage? Something's happening here. And, 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 and how, how soon after the I do's did that become apparent to you? And how would you describe that?
2: It's about a month to six weeks after we are married. Um, it didn't help that at the time we, I was newly pregnant now with um, our, our honeymoon baby, um, and very sick. That did not help. Uh, And looking back, that was, it was probably a catalyst because having, it was, it was hyperemesis, um, terrible, terrible condition that some women go through. And, um, that was something new for us to navigate on top of being newly married, which was a lot of stress. And, um, but despite that, you know, the, the way I put it is, is the Holy Spirit's a tattletale and Mm -hmm. he always has been. And so knowing that something wasn't right when, you know, Chris would suggest that I needed to go lay down again um, (laughs) in in our room with the door closed um, and didn't want to spend time, you know, little things, you, you know, the Holy Spirit's a tattletale. You you get that, that gut sense. And, uh, and I remember realizing something is just wrong. It can't just be because I'm sick. Uh, with this pregnancy, there's just something wrong. And so that's, that was kind of the first time where I, I turned to the Holy Spirit as tattletale and asked for some conviction. And um, it was another, it was about another month, uh, another month, six weeks, where I think I learned I needed to pray for courage too. Mm. Um, so initially, it's, yeah, I wanna know what's wrong, but I'm not sure I know if I'm ready to deal with whatever it might be until he kind of worked on me enough to um, very graciously point out, uh, I think one of the verses in Timothy, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, husband, whether or not you will save your wife? I remember desperately just opening my Bible one day and that's what I opened to. And so at that point, I think the Holy Spirit, and my guardian angel were just kind of tag teaming. And I was able to say, okay, Lord, whatever's going on, I need to know and I just need you to give me the grace to deal with it, whatever it is, because if I don't know what's going on, we can't fix it, we can't address it. So, mm-hmm. I'm ready. Just show me. And you did.
1: So, so just so, uh, so what what happens here? I mean, how, is it a confrontation that happens? And what what emotionally was going as as this big secret is revealed? How what emotions were going on within you? In this and, and how how did you how did that play out there that that say that initial discussion?
2: So from the first prayer, it's kind of the the pit in the stomach. Like okay, I just said it. I'm gonna mean it. You better help me mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I I was on our computer, and just one click led to another, and I found this you know porn stash. And that was sort of the, you know, the rug gets pulled out from under you, that terrible sinking feeling, the adrenaline rush, the the, the hearts, you know, the heart palpitation, the anxiety, the confusion, all of those things. Um, what is this and what does this mean? And then uh, the, the more I dug through it, kind of the more devastated, it, the more devastated I became but realized, okay, this is this is a thing, this isn't good. And so I, um, at that point, I made a backup copy of everything and put it on a flash drive and kept it because I figured this is my proof. I'm going to have to talk to him about this. So even if it disappears, I, I have proof. I give, again, I'm gonna give my guardian angel credit for that because throughout our journey I really think that the Holy Spirit and and my angel were really good at preempting things that prevented me from either second guessing myself or from gaslighting myself or listening to the excuses that come up when someone with a a pornography compulsion um, is trying to justify it. And so I think this was the first time I listened and, and did something that prevented me from I know, being gaslit, being uh, second guessing. Um, I think the very next thing I did was I went on Google and I typed in Catholic. My husband looks at porn. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I ended up finding some resources, very crude resources at that time. There was not a lot out there, but I found something very valuable from um, Focus on the Family. Dr. James Thompson. And it was just these couple web pages that basically said, you know, God wants something better for your marriage. Um, You, you have a right to an answer about this and you're going to have to talk about it. And so I shut down the computer and, and realized, all right, I am going to have to talk about this. So then God and I had the first of many, what would become many yelling matches uh, standing in my apartment, yelling my head off at him. And I probably sound like I am insane when I do this because I yell, like it's a conversation, you know, how could you let this happen? Yeah. I know that you're God, but how could you let this happen? You know, (laughs) I'm really mad at you, but I still love you. Okay. I, you know, and it's thank goodness he's patient with us. Um, but we had. I confronted him. He came home um, from work. I called him and told him, "Please come right home. Um, I need to talk to you." And I laid it out there. This wasn't okay. This wasn't going to happen in our marriage. What were we going to do about it? Um, and that's how it started.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. My my heart goes out to you, and, and my heart goes out to any any woman who's had to experience this. And I want to I want to draw some some. Uh, Important things that you're sharing out from this before we move on here. Um, Number one is, and I say this to all, all those who are married, and and if you are dealing, if this is an issue you are dealing with in your own marriage, or or maybe you haven't, as speaking especially to to guys out there, it's not just men who are involved with this, but there's an increasing number of women. But if you are dealing, if if this is a part of your life, pornography. You cannot hide things in your marriage. It will come out some way, somehow. And I like the fact that that, that notion of the, the Holy Spirit is a tattletale. Thank God for the tattletale, right? Um, and I think there's, a, there's a, a great, one of the great issues that of we're hit with either pride, pride on the front here that I don't need help, that I can do this on my own. It's, in my own marriage, it's not the issue of lust. It's just self-sufficiency in various things. Um, that's why I'm trying to live by this. Lent is a, a good way of a hashtag kill self-sufficiency, right? So that would be the first thing here. R- Recognizing you can't hide it. And by the way, gentlemen, your wife is way smarter. Chris, you know this, right? Thank you. Okay. So with this here, she knows, she knows. It's that, and I think it has that, that sixth sense that God has planted in, in, in the daughters, in all of his beautiful daughters um, to, for their protection, which is a good thing. Second here. Uh, is to, especially to to wives who are are, are maybe wondering, you know, am I, am I gaslighting? I think that's a great word to use here. Don't ignore that gut reaction, right? Pay attention to, to those here. There's a reason why you have what's called the feminine genius, that, that awareness of things here. It's to, to set things right, uh, ultimately. Not to control it, but to be aware of that. Um, and, and if something's wrong, especially this is going to the heart of your marriage, really important here. And third here is, you know, I love, um, obviously very painful at the time going through this extremely painful, but this is, this isn't just coming out of, out of left field in the sense, the way in which you were interacting with God, this is of many, many years of that development of that relationship with God. And I think we are so many of us are, we get comfortable with platitudes about God. We don't want to get real and uh, real because if and I, I see this especially in, in with a lot of women, um, because if I expose this place, then everything's not neat and tidy. It's a big freaking mess in here, right? And and but but you like we're we're, we're like I'm getting spiritually naked here, God. We're gonna have it out here, and we're gonna have it multiple times here to work this out. And yes, Chris, you're married to me now, so now you're involved. With, we're going to deal with the real stuff here. So you uh, so from this is, is a follow-up question on this. and it can be long short, however it goes. You mentioned a key word that that in discovering of this, this was so devastating. Can you expand on that idea? What, what, what was so devastating? Because I, 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 the context especially is there are there are still groups of people that still think pornography is no it's no big deal even in the church, like, eh, whatever. It's just, it's a, it's just, it's a thing he does. Can you please articulate that, expand that? Why did you see this as so devastating?
2: There's, there's two layers to it. The, the first is that it was devastating because I got hit with all of the, all of the things uh, a woman does when she discovers her, her husband's a porn, right? Am I not good enough? Am I not attractive enough? how come I've already failed as a wife? Um, Then there was the, 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 the other layer, which is, I know as a Catholic, this is a sin. This is a mortal sin. My husband could be in danger of hell and it's my job as his wife to try to get him to heaven. I, I, I'm not going to fail in that. And so, that was one of the yelling matches with God, actually, was me. I remember going around slamming my cabinet doors because I needed to slam something. Yelling. First, I yelled at Satan, you cannot have him. I claim him. Because I figure, hey, if the two become one, we're married. I made my vows. I'm going to live them. And so uh, I, I remember slamming my, my cabinet doors. I claim him. You can't have him. And then I yelled at Mary and told her that she needed to deal with him because she was good <laughs> Um, But the other level of devastation was a very human one for me. It was it was my pride getting hit because I'm Laura. I've always been Catholic. I was a virgin when we got married. I don't deserve this. This is my marriage. How can I let anybody know that my marriage isn't perfect? I was a good Catholic. I deserve better. Right. God's going to give me my perfect marriage. And so thank goodness in, in his divine providence, he worked on my own, my pride. Throughout Chris's healing, you know, I I needed to get rid of that part of myself. So that was the other layer of, of devastation. My marriage isn't perfect. Oh, what was that mean?
1: Mm, yeah, no, that's that's this is this is critically important going forth from this, and I and I think especially to speaking speaking directly to any of our any of our beloved sisters who are hearing this, right, where where pornography has been. Uh, been discovered in marriage and those, those questions, uh, you know, reiterating, I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive. I failed. I'm the mistake. I'm the problem. I'm the one cause if I was better, I would uh, he wouldn't have to go to these, go to, go to these images, right? He wouldn't have to do these videos. Right. Um, but, but what we're dealing with here is a compulsion and actually let me turn it to Chris here. Right. Chris, so what, what was it that was, because um, and again, not to uh, totally rehash all that was in the other discussion, the other podcast, but this had been a part of your life since how old were you? Since sixth grade. Okay. So you're t- about a 12-year-old boy. And this is comes into marriage. And, and this is pr- another proof positive why this doesn't solve all your problems. Putting a piece of metal on your finger doesn't, right? What was the, if, if you can try to articulate this, the genuine need that you were trying to fill here that, that obviously this this could what, what was that there and and, uh, and and would you would you agree? Right, I'm, gonna let, I'm gonna keep this wide open. That that uh, it, this had really certainly in a certain sense nothing to do with Laura at all. I would agree
0: with that, Steve. And partly, um, right b- before we got married, I was living in an apartment with some guys, and my compulsion had gotten so bad. It, I would you know get back from work and sit on the computer for hours at a time. So this was my daily routine at this point. It, it was just something I did. And I found that getting married was quite inconvenient for that routine. Um, and so at this point it was a compulsion. It was something and in, in a certain sense too, I had separated in my own, in my own perception, the beauty of sex within marriage, within its proper context and the shame-filled dirty view that pornography imposes so to me um sex was something that was dirty shameful and something that i hated myself for and so i knew my wife that laura had a good faith life i knew she was a holy woman and to me like sexuality was something that was that would it was dirty so I couldn't I had to uh, you know separate that from her and from in its proper context so so yeah just to sum up going into marriage it was a, a daily compulsion and it was something that you know once a new routine is established uh it try to cover that but um and the need i was feeling was just that uh partly it was just that still it was the shame cycle you know i i'm i'm feeling disconnected i'm feeling whatever i can't actually let my wife see who i really am because why would she why would we want to do that so i have to keep this hidden and so no and in a certain sense it wasn't because she was failing as a wife or i wasn't attracted to her it was because i couldn't let myself be seen and be naked Truly, spiritually naked in front of
1: her. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously pl- playing in this. And so, I just I think this is a point we can't overstate because there's this the issue of pornography and and, and it's an unchaste behavior. It is so crippling to intimacy, and the the shame, the guilt, the self hatred. You were Chris to, uh, to to put words in your mouth, and if these are not correct, correct me. Um, is to not be able to first accept yourself. Mm-hmm. And then how if we cannot accept ourself, how am I supposed to accept the other, which which then obviously plays into which can could become a psychosis if we don't have a healthy outlet, especially with with really good relationships. I'm sure, uh, Laura, you can uh, bring up here any any healthy girlfriends who have to keep your feet to the fire A relationship with God also. And obviously just some sort of proper self-care going on here um, throughout the years. Right. But but he can't accept me for who I am. Right. So those different aspects. Right. Uh, are, are going to be a powder keg for marriage that exploded in many ways. So and you also, Laura, going back to your, your previous uh, previous discussion point, I want to I want to see how did you brought up something because we live in a world right now that does, wants to downplay that there are forces outside of this world that are not working for our good. We in the Catholic Church we believe there's something called the devil and and there's demonic activity. How did this how did this get manifested within this this process here? As on, on so on one hand, obviously, and, and this will be one section we'll talk about after this question. There's seeking out, looking for answers, looking for help here. But how did the demonic be? How did you see that man get manifested in your marriage?
2: Oh boy. Um, so the story that we I just shared, right? That was the first time that. I discovered this. Mm -hmm. This cycle would go on for 15 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And each time it was worse, each time um, it felt like there was more at stake. Things escalated throughout those years to the point where um, we needed to separate, you know, twice. Um, But also, as that progressed, it's, a, it's amazing, I think, when you think about the, the effect that sin has, but also how once you have a habitual sin, it becomes like a swinging door for Satan, for his demons, to just kind of have access to you whenever they want. And as they do that, their goal is to drag you to hell. And so they're going to keep escalating their own activity. They are going to try to suck you in. And so seeing that with Chris in, in his attitude, um, in, you know, the, the, the typical things you experience with any kind of addiction, the, the moodiness, the financial difficulties, all that, but underneath the surface, um, one of my, I, I, I hate talking about myself in this sense, but I, one of my spiritual gifts is, is the discernment of spirits always has. Been. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were times where I remember, I would look at, at Chris and I would look in his eyes and very clearly I would say, that's not you. That's not him. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it got to the point where I wasn't sure what he was doing. You know, you would, you would kind of lock yourself away. Um, but, uh, there was one night we had been at this point, I think, separated twice already. Um, no, it was it was right before the, the second one. But uh, I remember being up late. And again, the Holy Spirit's a tattletale. And uh, Chris was in our, our bedroom and the door was locked. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm out here. I tucked the kids in bed. And very clearly, it was just, you have to pray. You have to pray for him. Things had been going not well for a while. I knew something was up. I'd already told God, all right, tell me when. I know what's going on. I know this cycle now. We've been doing this for years. I need the conviction and I need the the proof so I can confront him. You tell me when God always does. But this night it was just, you have to pray. And so I remember doing the divine mercy Chaplet, and then, um, really feeling like I needed to protect my, my children and, and our home. And at this point, God and I had also had a talk where, you know, the husband is supposed to be the spiritual head of the family. That's his, his, Birthright. It's his God given duty. But there was a part of me, I think, that recognized Chris wasn't capable of that. And so God and I had another one of our very frank conversations where I said, All right, here's the deal. I don't want to be the spiritual father to this family, but my husband can't lead the way he's supposed to. So I need you to give me whatever authority I have so I can. And then when he's ready, God. I'm gonna give it back. <laughs> I don't wanna keep it, but until he's he's capable, give it to me, please, because we have we have other souls here, we have other children. Mm-hmm. And so that night I went around and I um I holy watered our house. We had uh exercise salt that I put around the perimeter of our house and the outside. But the only room I couldn't get to was that bedroom. So I just tried to like throw things at the door. Um and then I went back and and I I prayed some more. Um, I'll let Chris share, if he wants to, what was going on on the other side of that door. But ever since that night, we would have weird things happen in that room. All of my children would say they'd seen weird things. Um, Stuff would fall off the walls, Uh, animal noises, um, uh, all different kinds of, kind of like, the demons are so not creative. But they like to get angry sometimes and they throw a temper tantrum that was the Mm -hmm. room in the house where they would throw their temper tantrums um Mm -hmm. and and everyone in in our family experienced it at at different times but uh, yeah i'll i'll stop there that's but
1: then thank you and actually chris so what, what inquiring minds want to know what was happening in that room
0: so that was the night i pretty much had well at that point things had been getting bad and i was you know on a couple of different apps and the darkness i could feel a growing darkness inside of me in a big way um and i was just trying to interact with people and drag them down and um just just really you see the satan is the accuser i was trying to accuse people of of, of all this stuff so just through various apps but in that particular night i was in there and that's when i had that was the third time i think i renounced catholicism but also at this point I was looking into black satanic magic and so at that point i think i was trying to do some sort of ritual or something to f- fully renounce you know the faith or whatever so uh that's that was what was going
1: on there wow so i i want to let's let's say, let's let's make sure that we're clear on this let's get our rules down for people hearing this right because this is Um, If if we're not familiar with this language, this can be uh, maybe hard to swallow on one end. On the other end, this can be very, very scary here. We have to remember, uh, there is no match to God. God is the God Almighty. He is all-powerful. The only one who might be equivalent on some level with Satan is St. Michael. But guess what? St. Michael is, is fueled by grace and power and love of God himself, so in a certain sense, Satan has no match here. And this also plays into ourself. If we do not give our authority over to him, he cannot play play with us. He's going to try to mess with our externals here like this. But through grace, we can be successful in the sense of overcoming these battles. And at any Christian, we are called to go to war here. So very interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard of a wife taking that kind of authority and making that promise. I, once things are, are set... Then I'm going to give that authority back here because I know in I, I see and like I love the line of looking into into Chris's eyes. This is not who you are. That's not you, right? Which is beautiful here, right? And and so we have to make this very clear, though. Any unchaste behavior, especially through pornography use, you are inviting the demonic into your home. Let's make this very very clear. I'm surprised our podcast recording hasn't shut off here, given this, but we <laughs> we we do so we do a lot of prayer around here to protect our work here. Right, you are giving your authority over your God-given authority. But guess what? Even if it's been given over, you can get that back through grace. There may be a process that has to go through here. Chris, obviously, we discussed that in the other podcast. Um, what that process was for you, and uh, just a, one example, one of my friends who doesn't is involved with Deliverance Ministries um, was was working with one person, and and, and a demon manifested in his room. And that's where he was bugging him. And so basically he called down one time, he called down the blood of Christ, locked the door and then proceeded to torture the demon by reading the Psalms to him and singing holy hymns to him. Okay. <laughs> so much so that eventually he was forced to leave because it just it's too much pain to bring that kind of love there. Right. So Laura, I want to ask a really important question because those who are hearing this, this story is kind of unbelievable because most of the world tells us that if you, um, if your spouse cheats against you, if uh, there's infidelity, if heck, if they uh, steal $2,000 from my bank account, or, or if it just gets hard, right? If he's annoying as a hangnail, let's cut our losses and leave, right? You didn't do that. And I still, like, my, my heart, pardon me, is still amazing just hearing this. What was it? that allowed you to do this and that on the human and the spiritual, how would you qualify that? What, and, and what advice would you give to those who are we're facing these massive mountains in our marriage? What, what, what should I do? Your thoughts.
2: I think it's important to remember that we don't get married for ourselves. Mm. When, when you marry someone, you're placing love of them before love of self and i'm grateful that i think god knew my own weaknesses where he really convicted me in that Mm -hmm. and so for me leaving divorce um was never an option because i made my vows and i recognized the power we have in marriage the power of our vows is that I can still merit grace for my husband. I could battle for him when he couldn't battle for himself. There was no way I was giving that up because I promised that I would love him till I died. And so that means I was dragging him, kicking and screaming to heaven with me. And on the human level, that's hard. Because I had to grapple with and really surrender to the the possibility that I would never feel loved or fulfilled in my marriage, and that was something real I needed I needed to acknowledge. And so that wasn't that wasn't a yelling match with God, um, where I I was finally able to surrender. Usually, if you've picked up on a theme here, if I'm surrendering, it usually comes with yelling um, till I'm hoarse. And usually that's when, once I'm hoarse, God will say, oh, there you go. Finally, now we can just be real about this. You got that, you know, but I had to give that up. But the beautiful thing that happened once I was able to really surrender to that, I might never feel loved in my marriage. I might never be fulfilled by my marriage is that I asked Jesus to please come and fill in the gaps. And so then my marriage still became a love story, but it became a love story about the love that Jesus had for me, that he was able to really fill in those spaces that that Chris couldn't, that he was able to still give me joy and, and happiness and that I could have peace, even in the utter chaos that we faced sometimes. But that's not easy and it takes prayer and it takes crying and sometimes ugly crying and that's okay. And it's still a journey, but you can't ever trust Jesus too much. And so with that in mind, I, I refused to not battle for Chris. And so, no, we were never going to get divorced. I certainly wasn't ever going to look into annulment because your, your marriage is presumed valid until the church says it's not. So I wasn't even going to entertain the idea that it might not be because who else was going to battle for him if if i wouldn't i was his wife that was my job and i have never regretted that decision
1: praise the lord praise the lord on that and i just want to say thank you laura for uh the steeliness i, I think of the, the the women of of the bible like judith and um and even even our blessed mother who have kept their face like flint on here, and I think this is uh, this is a a shot uh, into the darkness that's that's permeated a lot of marriages. Where when the when the going gets tough, we get out of here. We get, we get going. We leave uh, instead of I'm going to keep my eyes. Uh, there's a line from um, a line from uh, Isaiah 54. I set my face like flint, and I'm going to be zeroed in on on the cross here which does require a crucifixion. It requires a death. And I think that the world tells us the worst thing in the world is to to not suffer. Whereas for a Christian, we believe that it's to not do the will of God, the divine will of God, as has been revealed in my particular set of circumstances. And so here you've been dealt a very challenging situation here, right? Where something that's out of your control, not your fault, but it's certainly, can we say it's not, it wasn't, Uh, Chris was never fully possessed, but there certainly was some sort of, I would argue, infestation going on that infected you, Chris, and infected your marriage, right, in many ways. And but we have to remember, there's a power in the cross here to redeem. There's a power in the cross to transform everything, right? And 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 right after Good Friday comes what? chocolate obviously in easter right but right after these deaths if we will stay the course here we can move from glory to glory what was the glory on that wedding day can still be redeemed is it going to be different no yeah, it's going to be different right but and, and that's the only promise we have is 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 things may be different but he's going to be with us this is emmanuel so i want to ask here i want to flip it over and, and thank you for sharing that uh, laura i want to flip to, to chris for a moment um, Chris, what was it? So Laura is uh, through through stealing her life, uh, steal S-T-E-E-L, her life and and and, and needing to do. Um, sometimes we have to do a separation, right? And so you had to do it twice, which is uh, I, I, I that's hard for me to imagine, just even doing once. And she's trying to demonstrate love to you. You you and your thick head took a little while to get there if i may so gently say i know i've known you for a while so i can say that i wouldn't say it's most guests um what what was it that or or maybe a series of events what was it that finally broke the dam open for you to accept the love that she was trying to to share with you
0: well i mean part of what I was trying to do in a certain sense through everything was push her away um through all of the actions and everything it was a certain sense if i didn't want i i was too cowardly to be the one to to just say you know what i want i'm out i i i i i didn't want to be to be that black and white with it so um i was doing everything i could to get rid of her <laughs> um so part of it was i think um well, I know I talked about it in the last one, but after one of the things that what was going on as the darkness was growing, I just, I had, I couldn't feel anything really. I didn't have emotions except for anger and, and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but it was just that growing darkness. So really um, I think there was a part of me that deep inside one that never gave up on the blessed virgin, but also I owe it. There's a part of me that's always known that Laura loves me and then part of it was what you said earlier Steve was that I I hated myself so much I couldn't let myself be loved so one of the things that was I remember after right after the exorcism um, I was able to feel you know and I, I remember distinctly just seeing the beautiful uh, beautiful scenery of where we were and then music came on and then I was able to and I remember just looking at her and I feel again. It was just like these these curtains came out, uh from you know, opened up the the um I could see again almost in a certain sense. Yeah. Um so it was kind of that started the path of like, okay, so yes, I am loved. Um I mean even after all that there was still a, mm-hmm. a, a decent amount left to the to the to for the process of healing and, and the journey and everything, but I think that was a, a big moment was that was that uh time receiving that the right of minor exorcism there's a difference between major and minor uh the major is what we see in the movies with the head spinning and floating on the ceiling and stuff but um you know i had the minor exorcism and that really was a was a really kickstart to you know a couple more years of healing but still it was it was the beginning
1: of the 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 major process awesome so what I'm going to push me even more on this, on this question here, Chris. So what was it that, um, how did you, how would you describe the, I mean you began to feel here mm-hmm. and to be able to receive that love. How did that, how did that change your worldview? And how did that, how did that change? And again, I'll, I'll bring also Laura into that. How did that begin to impact your marriage?
0: Well, um, by being able to receive love, I can give love um, and, um, I think that it was still as, as imperfect as I was, it was, it was the start of being able to, to, um, cause I think it was in a defensive pattern, you know, selfishness is in a certain sense, um, it, well, selfishness permeates the pornography compulsion, especially in a, when you're in a relationship, cause it's all about me, but it's also reactive to what wounds there are in, in my own, you know, kind of self hatred. So... As those things, as I, as I kind of let loose the vice grip I had in, in guarding my interior so much, I was able to start letting her in to that interior. Um, because I've, I mean, throughout my life, I've always. Wanting people to see the real me because I was always afraid of what they, you know, what they would think. So and, and in that healing, it really started to allow um Laura, in so for our marriage, that obviously intimacy is. I'll, I'll steal your term, Steve. As you say, into me, I was able to start allowing that, start to, to let my guard down and, and learn how to. Um, so I think that's, I think it was a good impact there. Um, as I healed, then our marriage healed. I think,
2: I think it's important to point out though that. For, for wives in in that situation you have to also be willing to allow the healing there's a temptation to get stuck in bitterness or a temptation to get stuck in you know you put me through hell so you're going to have to pay for that you know for the rest of our marriage and that's not healthy and that's not mm-hmm. biblical and it's certainly not loving Um, and there there were times, especially as, you know, as, as Chris is talking, I'm remembering those times where I, I knew there's that sixth sense that, that Steve was talking about, maybe that Chris right now is, re- is revealing something to me and he is very uncomfortable doing this. And he's very nervous to share this. I better not make a really weird face right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I better not say something super stupid, <laughs> right? Because this is, this is a big moment. And, um, and it, I think that it comes back over and over again to the importance of really trying to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he could kick you in the head to kind of give you that sense. But also, I wanted to point out that you can pray for God to give you the love you need to give to somebody else. You know, throughout our, our marriage, there have been many times where, shocker, I haven't felt that loving you know towards my husband but love is a choice in it and it's a decision and so praying that god show you how to love your spouse the way they need to be loved is i think that that's the big secret you know people have asked how do you boil it down what's the secret the secret is you ask god to show you how to love them the way they need to be loved and he will and he does thank goodness
1: oh man okay there's so much here just to unpack really quick really quick here right and just to utilize a little bit of my own story right uh, underneath all my lust was all this anger and the, all that was all this fear we need to control right and and the message that i think needs to be conveyed and, and that certainly was a part of of both of your story um was you gotta surrender we have we have to let we have to let this go like because i think we're so we, we, and here's the, it's silly if we, if we're honest about it, right? We think we're in control. We think we have control, you know, control or anything, right? But it's when we surrender to the cross, when we surrender to grace here, lo- it's been said, what, love is like a river, right? I'm not going to go sing for you right now, right? But it, but it is this, the different tributaries that come into that river, right? The different outlets that come from that, that giving and receiving. So as Chris is finally opening up, I'm scared to death to let you into this conversation but uh, every, every, nothing's working so i'm going to open this up i'm going to open this up open this up into our marriage right and you actually received him and in that in that 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 uh, initiation terrifying initiation where there was a reception here and there was able to be a connection here and this is where Again, and obviously, many many conversations over many many years, right? Not to not to um, say this is all all going to be smooth sailing after one conversation, but we're saying here, love covers a multitude of sins, as Scripture says. There there is the ability to that, and love does not brood over injury. And if one party is showing an an inkling here that they're willing to come to the table, we must do that. But even if they're not, and this is Laura, I think a tribute to the steely feminine resolve that you have, that even when he wasn't, when he was being such a, a jerk to uh, keep on uh PG terms here, you entered in there and, and, and entered into to love him here. So I want to ask this and, and we talk, uh, obviously, Chris, um, you, you are, you are not just a coach. You have been, you are a client. Um, a, a, one client of mine, the true story on the fourth meeting, Chris, like I want to do what you do. I'm like, settle down there, sunshine. So, <laughs> what and, and Chris, you had done a lot of a lot of therapy and, and we talked more about that in the other, other podcast. what is it that and, and that pod, that so it's gonna be a two part uh, two part response here for both of you. What was it that freedom coaching kind of turned all the lights on, shall we say? things came on that, that this was really effective from what I had done before. And Laura, seeing Chris go through freedom coaching, what what was that like for you How is this this wasn't this isn't just he's not just doing another program something's different here
0: um for me I'd been like I said I've I've even been through to a you know 30-day inpatient place for sex addiction um and I in including 12-step programs and individual and group therapy I've done all of that and I attribute all of that to my healing journey I'm not just going to say it was like one thing but one thing I think, Freedom Coaching really was um, a unique approach, uh, something uh, with kind of, I guess, uh, methods or however you want to call it that I've never experienced before. Um, so when I was going through Freedom Coaching, uh, it, it really, again, we went through the the reintegration in the first stage where, you know, looking at the history and going through everything. Uh, but then as we went on, we got into the deeper sense of who I was mm-hmm. and who I am as a man, as a father, as a son, son of the father. And it really allowed me to um, give up that burning self-hatred I'd had for, throughout my whole life um, and that sense of insecurity in who I was as a person, as a man. Um, so freedom coaching was something that allowed me to get a sense, of one of self and who I really am, not you know not no more no less you know i'm still a sinner i'm still you know i need to choose to be free i need to choose this every day because you know you don't just oh i'm I'm good everything's fine um no but it allowed me to to embrace my identity and then through that it worked on my vision and and how i see other people and see other women and see other men and 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 is who they are sons and daughters of of God the Father and that when I re, when I see that no matter how the person is presenting themselves or um how how much they might misunderstand their own identity I can still see them and and in a certain sense you know love them for where they are and so it, it really just it opened up my eyes it opened up my my heart and and my interior life in a way that nothing else really ever had
1: hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Laura, What your thoughts as, as he, as you saw him going through this and saw changes happen. Um,
2: I think the, the two big differences with freedom coaching and when Chris was going through the process is that I had learned, you know, after, after 15 years, you, you kind of hold your breath a little bit and you're like, well, we'll see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we had gotten to a point where I wouldn't even accept Chris saying, you know, well, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. Like my answer was always, okay, well, prove it. Show me. Show me. And so I was really looking to see the fruit. Um and Freedom Coaching, it kept its promise that it's transformative. And that I think was also what was attractive to both of us, because Chris he'll never let on, but he's quite philosophical. And he has a really good way of of thinking about things that make lofty ideas make sense. And one of the things that he had said throughout this long healing journey, when he would do some of the other programs and, and some of the other attempts at healing, he would say, but I don't like that. It seems that they're only asking me to white knuckle my way through this, or I don't like that my identity, they're telling me my identity is as an addict for the rest of my life, you know, and that's, and that's the the terminology that some different programs will use. You know, you're, you're, you're a recovering addict or you're an addict who is in recovery, but you're always going to have that. My theological background, Chris's very smart philosophical sense knew that there's something to that that doesn't, it just doesn't sound right. As a Catholic Christian, we know that we have been redeemed i mean jesus he got up on that cross for us if that wasn't good enough (laughs) right Mm -hmm. to to fully redeem us to offer us the chance at healing well then what the heck is he didn't create us to be broken people for the rest of our lives sometimes he allows us to be broken because he needs to put us back together the way we're supposed to be but he he created us for wholeness And so that I think, seeing Chris really start to become the person that I have always believed he was, he used to hate it when I would tell him, "I know who (laughs) you are. I know who you are." He'd be like, "You know, no, you don't. Yes, I do." (laughs) And this isn't it right now, but now it is. Like this is him. And for me, that that was the Mm -hmm. light bulb. Oh my goodness, he's finally my Chris, the one that I knew was in there. And so. That was what I saw. That that transformation.
1: I'm um I'm cheering over I would I would literally be yelling straight through your answer because I'm I'm just I'm and it's and take take me as a coach out of the. I, I always I always say to clients, take me out of the room. It's not about me. It's what God is doing, what like Jesus Christ is doing there in the room. And and it obviously takes uh, at least two to tango. Um, and uh, and Chris, thank you for saying yes to uh, to God, to to your marriage, to to Laura, but especially to yourself. Right, because uh, as a as a beloved son, this is what you deserve Right, in in a, in a certain sense, understand you are you deserve to be loved because you were created for love, to live in love, to go back to love. So praise God for that. So I'm gonna ask one more one more question on this uh, this part of our interview. So uh, there's been a significant healing here, right? That, that's a pro- profound healing. So everything's smooth sailing, right? right? within marriage, right? (laughs) How would you answer
2: that? Yeah, it's like a perpetual honeymoon all the time. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm going to answer first and you you can answer it. Marriage marriage as a vocation is still going to mimic the Paschal mystery. So there are going to be some big crucifixions and there are going to be many crucifixions. And then there are big resurrections and sometimes little resurrections. That's not going to stop that that's perpetual. Sometimes your vocation is your cross. Sometimes it's your own personal Easter. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. I think the challenge for us now is our own form of, to borrow a freedom coaching term, our own reintegration. We lived for so long in our marriage in an unhealthy um, spiritual dynamic and an unhealthy interpersonal dynamic because of the addiction. Well now we have we had to learn and we're still learning how to live our marriage healed. We actually will, will say, you know, look, like, oh well that was old Chris or that was old dad. The kids will say it. Um or we'll talk about well, you know, before this would have happened. Well now this is what's happening. Or well now what do we do? <laughs> um and for, for me personally, I had to, and, and have to continue to make good on my promise that I made to God when I asked for the authority. Well, Chris is a spiritual head of our family and I need to make sure that I am stepping back and allowing him to be, and that I take my ordered role in our family. Um, as wife, as helpmate, not as, you know, doormat, subordinate, let's not even know, right? Um, I love the, the my big fat Greek wedding, the, the husband is the head of the family and the wife is the neck and sometimes she can turn the head. Um, making sure that we reestablish a properly ordered family life and a properly ordered marriage still takes work but i'm so grateful that that's the work that we are embarking on now um i'll i'll take that over everything else but i also wouldn't i wouldn't go back and change our story neither one of us would be who we are right now um, without it and god in in his wisdom and his divine providence knew what we both needed um and so i'm 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 grateful i think for all of it okay sir beautiful
1: for good.
0: Um, to boil all that down, there's good days and bad days. Not so much bad <laughs> days now. A little oversimplification. <laughs> no, um, no, that's very true. So at this point, it is great to be in the in the more of working as a team. And and you know, to any guy who's the head of his family, he's going to listen to the wisdom of his wife because women have spiritual insights and and things naturally that us men don't so you know any 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 husband who who is who wants to listen and, and lead his family well is at least gonna consider what his wife is, is says about things um especially when both are praying so um yeah i think that's that's where we're at now is just kind of moving forward with um continuing to reintegrate everything and and and, and make sure that we're uh again we're just a team and we're we're uh we're still rather not we're not old yet so i mean we got a lot of life and and a lot of marriage and we're, our kids are teenagers so pray for us um but uh, you know it's just it it's it's awesome that it's just opened up a whole new i guess uh world or level level of marriage i don't know how you would say it but leveled up. yeah there you
1: go leveled up one up
0: so no, we're, we're, it, it, we're very grateful and no, it's not perfect. And if, if you, if it is perfect or you think it's perfect, then you're lying or you're just not looking hard enough.
1: Or uh, you're in trouble because really something's weird. about to happen.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> so no, but we, we, we got, we can, we know that we can go through the ups and downs together and that um, we can work through things together and that's no longer uh, a, you know, me versus her or vice versa and her trying to drag me, kicking and screaming and anything. And now look, we just go, <laughs> we go willingly.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so just a couple, a couple of thoughts. And again, first off, thank you for, for just your, your authenticity and being able to share here, especially Laura. I mean, um, such an important perspective that you bring to this issue. We don't, obviously we we talk, especially, because uh, more men than women typically have had this had an issue, but not as severe in many cases. And but also that that you're willing to share here to give hope. And I think that's that's an, such an important aspect here. And we want to make it very clear that no matter how deep this wound goes, grace goes all the more here. That if we've been so uncomfortable living in our own skin, we can get this back here to open up to to know that we are lovable, that we can receive the love of others and so that we can love others. So I like to say in my own marriage, right? Um, I am my wife's cross and she is mine. Um, and we are to carry each other, to walk in the wilderness, albeit imperfectly, to heaven. That is the goal here. And the way in which for things to go to work better, it's never perfect, is to work on, Laura, I love that line, a properly ordered marriage. When we have God, our spouse, our, our and, and in there actually, God ourselves properly understood proper self-care our spouse, our children, and then everyone else, things just work better. That is That is God's plan in a nutshell. And if we follow that uh, with our will, surrendering to his will, his will working within ours, we see miracles happen. And I would say you two are a testament to the, the miracle here. And I thank you for your yes. So with that said, I actually, I wanna ask this so I get this out here. If people wanna get in touch with you, Chris and Laura, what's the best way they can do that?
2: Hmm. Good question. Uh email.
1: Yeah, email would be great. Okay, so what we'll do is uh, Chris when we're done here, I'll get I'll get whatever email you want to use here. We'll put in the show notes and do reach out to them. There's a wealth of wisdom um and uh, from both of you and I'm grateful. Uh I'm grateful especially Chris the work you're doing but Laura um thank you for the witness. Uh witness to to who woman is um, and also in here who woman is for man and man is for woman. So with that said, I want to do something completely different. Chris is aware of some of this here. Um, this is what we call the 12, and we're going to call this the Couples Edition. Um, so these are kind of light. These are kind of fluffy. Do not overthink them. Um, Chris has not seen these questions. Uh, no one has seen these questions except maybe another member of the team, and we're working on some other secret project. Shh, can't talk about it yet. Um, so just off the top of your head, um, here we go. Are you ready for the twelve? Yes. Bring okay. it. Here, here we go. Number one. Uh, what was the first dance song title at your reception?
2: The one that we did together.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my father's heart by Rachel Lampa.
2: Okay.
1: Here you go. Beautiful. Who's back in the news. She has a new, uh, new hit single, which is, is really good. Um, mm-hmm. number two, um, who's the most, uh, who's most likely to do the dishes? I was
2: reading my hand. I don't know where it is on the screen.
1: That number here. I'll actually I'll take me off. Um, no. Um, number three, who snores the loudest? There we go. Uh, number four, who's a better singer? Oh, him for sure. There we go. Uh, number five, who is the op- optimist in the relationship? Hmm, not the optometrist. That's a different.
2: I I'm gonna say that I am, based on. History, but now I think you're more optimistic too.
0: Oh, thank you. That's very, that was very nice.
2: <laughs> you tend to, okay. I don't know. That's a hard one. You're the realist <laughs> with the bent towards optimism. I can be overly optimistic. Yeah.
1: Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you are seeing the uh, the temperaments playing out perfectly here in, <laughs> in this question here. Um, number six, who's the better kisser?
2: <laughs> I don't know
1: it's hot, a tie
2: maybe I think we're tied
1: oh wow okay all right good uh number seven who's the who's a, who's a night owl uh, we both kind we of both are, are. Oh, yeah.
2: except it's really hard to be a night owl when you have teenagers and
1: yeah. Well, sometimes they force you to stay up. Uh, from what I'm we're on the verge, the cusp of teenage years. Yes, pray for us, please. They're so, nocturnal. Yeah. I'm like, go to bed. Please just go to bed. Please, before noon, before midnight, please, please, pretty please. Um anyway. Uh number eight. Um, uh, who's the better cook?
0: That would be her.
1: That would be me. Honesty. Uh nine. Who's more likely to apologize first?
2: Mm, he is.
1: Hmm oh okay <laughs> number 10 which actors do you think uh you as a couple in a movie w- w- who would be the actors uh that would portray you as a couple in a movie about your life hmm. kevin james for me <laughs> kevin, <laughs> i could see that yes laura you got one
2: i have no idea
1: Maybe Kate Blanchett. Maybe.
2: Maybe. I'd like to think a young Julia Roberts. Hmm. Okay. I like I'll see
1: that. Good. I always thought of myself as a Harrison Ford kind of guy doing action movies. It didn't work out. So I'll just live on this podcast. Um, Eleven. As a couple, what is your bucket list country or city?
2: Uh, as a couple, because we each have our individual ones.
0: Mm-hmm. To go to as a couple, or
2: yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I feel like it's tied between mm-hmm. Paris, Rome, and then Ireland.
0: Yeah, I that's know. really not a good answer at all, but no, that's what we got. That's that's three.
1: At. You gave me three. There you go. We're <laughs> bending the rules a little bit on here. All right, number 12. Why get married in the Catholic Church?
0: Oh, that's it, just keep it light and fluffy there Steve. light
1: and fluffy there you're welcome life is full of surprises so is this list
2: because without the grace of the sacrament of marriage which you confer on each other and receive the fullness of it through the church you can't do it that's my light fluffy answer there you go do you want to add to that
0: I mean, yeah, exactly. The church is the Jesus founded the church and then instituted the sacraments so we can receive His graces through that. So it's pretty much that's the we were talking about order. That's the ordered way to go about these things. So getting married in the Catholic Church, it opens up the faucet of those of that grace. And again, think about graces and you have to receive it and you have to respond to it. So. Um, that's also in the order of things.
1: Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Chris and Laura Ricketts, I want to thank you very much for the time that you've given to us, uh, your witness to marriage, your witness to masculinity and femininity. And, um, and I just pray that God continues to bless uh, bless you with this. And I am, do not be, uh, all my dear listeners and watchers of this, do not be surprised if you see Chris and Laura on another edition of Redeemed Vision podcast so with that said uh hang on a second don't don't leave um but uh, we're gonna wrap up here and uh for myself i'm steve Picorni, the founder of freedom coaching and this is the uh, the host of the redeem vision podcast it's an honor to be with you and i just as a if you did not catch it if you were maybe dozing off which i'm not sure how you would do that for this uh, this message there is always hope there is always redemption there's always healing that is possible even in the darkest of nights there's a bright light go to that light it's found in the cross especially coming from the side of christ the blood and water that flows who can make all things new so until next time remember nothing is wasted everything is redeemable enter in to this great mystery and be transformed god bless
0: The Redeemed Vision podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and U.S.